Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer. It's not only a gift, it is a weapon of our warfare. Prayer is humbling because it reminds us that we are not you. It reminds us that we need you. That we can't do anything apart from you because we will get humbled pretty quickly. We thank you that we have access to you 24-7 every day of the year. We thank you that when we come to you in the name of Jesus and when we pray according to your will which is found in your word you not only hear us but you will give us what we're asking for and prayer teaches us that you may not come when we want you may not come how we want but you are coming and you will come right on time Lord, forgive us for not praying as we ought. Forgive us for carrying all of those burdens that we should cast upon you. But I guess that's why you're so rich in mercy. Because you know that we need it for all of our mess. We thank you that you do not treat us the way that we treat you. We thank you for your unconditional love and for your grace that abounds. We bless you. There's no God like you. There is no God near you, next to you. Surely isn't one over you. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you that there is a word for the people of God today. Lord, I pray they will look past my frailties, my limitations receive the pure unadulterated word of God thank you Lord that whatever's not caught today can be caught at home because Lord they have an anointing that will teach them things that no pastor can teach them so Lord do it today we love you that you love us enough to tell us about ourselves and that you love us enough to want to transform us and make us more and more like Jesus help us Lord in Jesus name we pray If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6? The Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. Now, last Sunday, I preached a message entitled Seven Traits of Toxic Masculinity. Seven Traits of Toxic Max Masculinity. There were a whole lot of amens in here from the sisters. After the sermon, one of our ladies walked up to me and said, Pastor, that was a great message. When are you going to teach on the toxic traits of women? So since next Sunday is Mother's Day, I figured the best time to do it would be today. Now my security team, they are ready to escort me out of the building. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. Now King Herod 
heard of him, speaking of Jesus. For his name had become well known, and he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah, and others said, it is the prophet, or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John, whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Herod has a serious guilt complex. We'll try to get into that today. Verse 17, for Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. So today, with your prayers, let's talk about seven traits of a toxic woman. Seven traits of a toxic woman. This list is not exhaustive, um, but I think Herodias is a picture of what we don't want to be. Now, men, if you're married to a toxic woman, um, we're praying for you. Uh, we're praying for you. And, and there... Um, There are remedies that God has that he can heal anyone who's going through anything, any malady. So we're praying with you. If you are a man and you're dating, dating, not married to, not married to a toxic woman, but you're dating a toxic woman, or you're going to realize today after the message that you're dating a toxic woman, uh, my advice for you is to run. And uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Marriage isn't going to make it better. It's only going to really reveal it and allow it to become worse. I was cutting my grass recently, and uh, I am one of those guys, I don't treat my grass during the off-season. I have faith in God that he's going to bless my lawn, so I don't go out (laughs) planting seeds and stuff. I just pray. That doesn't work. 
because when my grass comes up in the spring, weeds come with it. But I am blessed, though, because I have pretty weeds. I have yellow weeds. I have purple weeds. They're pretty. But even though they're pretty, they're still what? Weeds. Brother, she might be pretty. <laughs> anyway, let's get going. Um, <laughs> a toxic woman, number one from the text, is a carnal woman. Carnal. When you say carnal, we're talking about someone who is given to the flesh, fleshly desires and appetites. And in this case, carnal or carnality speaks of being sexually immoral. In Mark chapter 6, verse 17, it says, For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he married her. So let's see if we can get a picture of this family tree real quick. Herod the Great, who was alive when Jesus was born to Mary. Herod the Great, who was the king of Palestine, who murdered all the children. Herod the Great who because of looking for Jesus, Jesus' family had to go into Egypt for time. And this Herod was the father of several sons, including Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, and Herod Aristobulus. So when Herod died, the Romans gave his kingdom to his sons. Herod Aristobulus had a daughter named Herodias. Herodias chose to marry one of her uncles named Philip. So we're already off on the wrong track. <laughs> Philip and Herodias had a daughter named Salome. Now, for those of you from South Carolina, that's not Sally May. It's Salome. <laughs> All right. Herod Antipas ended up divorcing his wife. Her name was Bernice, and it was a political marriage. He divorced his wife in order to marry Herodias, who was married to his brother Philip. So Herodias divorced Philip so that she could marry Herod Antipas. Now, marrying one of your uncles is gross. Marrying a second uncle is evil. This may explain why Herodias had no problem with her daughter dancing suggestively for her great uncle, who was also her stepfather. I wish I had a chart to show you this. But the question is, why was Herodias like this? Why was she immoral like this? Well, when sexual promiscuity and sexual deviation are prevalent in a home, more than likely child abuse is prevalent as well. So it is possible that Herodias, as a young girl, was sexually assaulted or molested. For just as hurt people hurt people, abuse people often abuse people and sanction sexual deviation. Now, this is just a theory. It's not a justification, but it might be an explanation on why she would marry two of her uncles and have her daughter dance suggestively, not in front of uh, Herod Antipas, but also in front of a room of drunk men. Well, Proverbs talks regularly about women who use sex as a tool of manipulation. 
So this is the first trait we see in Herodias, that she was fleshly, she was carnal. Secondly, a toxic woman is a controlling woman. Mark 6, 18. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Can anybody thank God for a preacher with a backbone? Who is not in the pocket of a politician and afraid to tell a politician the truth. But Herod said, man, it's wrong for you to be married to her. And I'm here to let you know a toxic woman doesn't like it when a man tells her that she's wrong. Somebody missed that. A toxic woman doesn't like it when a man tells her that what she's doing is wrong. Herodias couldn't handle being the subject of John's preaching. She couldn't handle the fact that John is out here quoting Leviticus chapter 18 and Leviticus chapter 20 saying that their marriage is not only unlawful, it's forbidden. Leviticus 20, 21, if a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. And so John said, y'all might be quiet, but I'm going to say something. And Herodias did not like that. She felt that if John kept preaching the truth, even from jail, Herod might listen to him and eventually divorce her. This would mean Herodias would lose her political and financial power and control. Do you dig this? So, so she said, I got to silence him because if he keeps preaching, my husband who reveres him, respects him as a prophet, might one day listen to him and might want to get rid of me as his wife because toxic women become controlling when they feel they are about to lose control. A Christian woman who fights to be in control or to keep control reveals that she doesn't believe God is in control. I said a Christian woman. And of course, all this goes for men, but, but, but put it on rewind from last week, and, and we're talking specifically about men. Today, I'm talking about the ladies, but it, it is universal for everyone. It's all common to man, but a woman's sense of security is often found in her ability to control situations and to control people because she doesn't trust that God is in control. So she's got to do it herself. Junior Holy Spirit. Number three, security. A toxic woman is a cancerous woman. Mark 6, 19. Therefore, Herodias held it against him. She held something against John. God's word being preached upset Herodias's demons. Herodias nursed a grudge against John. And this is the same John that Jesus said is the greatest in all the kingdom. So how can you hold a grudge against a man that Jesus said is great? Not only great, he's the greatest. Toxic women will come against men that God values and esteems. That's what toxic women will do. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's about to get even more personal. She was not satisfied with John's imprisonment. She wanted him dead. Not only that, she wanted to be the one who killed him. She wanted to put him down. Because if you, this is what the old folks used to say, if you lie, you'll steal. And if you steal, you'll what? 
kill. Some of y'all been raised at them same places with them old folk. If you lie, you'll steal. Stealing another man's uh, husband, another woman's husband. And if you steal, you will kill. John 10, 10, for the thief has come to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. So here's how you can ask if you're toxic. Whose mission statement do you align with the most? The devil's or Jesus? If you're toxic, there's going to always be some destruction and death and mayhem and confusion surrounding you. You are the bottom line common denominator for the confusion. But if you're on Jesus' mission statement, it's about life. Because the Bible says that Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15 is a life-giving spirit. So if Jesus is in you, when you walk in rooms, life comes. Not always some kind of confusion and confronting and dealing with stuff. And so this woman was operating under a mission statement that went against God and against God's choice servant. The danger of holding a grudge is that it leads to a root of bitterness. Having a grudge is like having cancer. It slowly eats away at you from the inside. A woman who holds a grudge is slowly dying and she doesn't even know it. She inflicts others with her cancer of bitterness and grudge holding. It spreads like gangrene. And for the record, while I'm here, a toxic woman is not just toxic against men. She's toxic against other women, too. Okay? Yeah. Fourth, a toxic woman is a cruel woman. Mark 6, 19 says, and she wanted to kill him, but she could not. She's cruel. Why did she want John dead? She wanted John dead so that she could silence him. She wanted him dead so her power and position as Herod's wife would not be challenged. Cheating on her husband with Herod and marrying him was a step up for her politically and financially. So she's over here with Philip, who's in the line of a king. But he's not kingly enough, so she's got to roll over here with Antipas because he's got more going on. Because, let me see here, let me, let me get this. When a toxic woman stops respecting her husband, she will cheat on him with a man she respects. I know I said it too fast. I, I know y'all thinking about going down here to the ministry fair, uh, but, but hold on now. When a toxic woman no longer respects her husband, she will cheat on her husband with the man that she respects more because she may think he has more power and affluence than her current husband. My, my, my. She will trade him in for a new model. She'll trade him in for another man who has more money and more power, and that's what Herodias did. Now, because John called her out, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And Herodias felt scorned by John. A toxic woman will attempt to kill you if she can. That's cruelty. Okay, pastor, we're not back in that day where they're just killing folk. But in our day, a woman will kill your character if she can. She'll kill your reputation with her mouth. It's quiet up in here. Cruel. We'll just talk about a man. 
will talk about a man of God and seek to kill his character and reputation with her mouth. Isaiah 54, 17, which we love to quote, speaking of the children of Israel. But it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Right? And every tongue that rises up in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So let's go back. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. Because many of the weapons that come against us are from somebody else's tongue. The weapons of mass destruction are in people's mouths. There's dynamite in folks' dentures, including our own. James said it's a small thing, but it creates a world of evil and fire. Tear stuff up. The tongue, this little thing. And so when the tongue comes against you, God gives you permission to use your tongue to condemn what was being said about you. That's false. And so just put that away. When a toxic woman wants to come against you and and try to destroy you because she's cruel, sometimes you take it silently like the Savior. Sometimes you need to open up your mouth and answer a fool. My God. Don't you go home tell my pastor told me that I could <laughs> cuss you out. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Fifth, a toxic woman is a combative woman. Mark 6:20 for Herod feared John knowing that he was just a just and holy man and he protected him and when he heard him he did many things and heard him gladly. She's a combative woman. Who was Herod protecting John from? Because Bible says the people in the community revered John as a prophet, which is why he feared putting John to death because he knew how highly many segments of the community saw John. But who did he need to protect John from? He needed to protect John from the woman he was sleeping with that night, his wife, Herodias. Because even though Herod liked John, he knew his wife did not He knew also that she was a killer, but he wasn't strong enough to stand up to her. He wasn't strong enough to lead her. He wasn't strong enough to stop her. So he had to protect John from his wife. Toxic women like Herodias love weak men like Herod because they win every argument. I sent notes to y'all. I sent notes to y'all. So, so, so you know, you, <laughs> they want a man that, you know, they, they, they can win every fight, every argument with. However, toxic women cannot stand strong men like John the Baptist. They like weak men like Herod. Even though they have power, they're weak. But they fear the guy that has no power earthly, but he has God on his side. And they can't stand them because they speak the truth. Now, I've been pastoring for a long time, and I've had quite a few Herodiases roll through here. Now, before there was Herod and Herodias, there was Ahab and Jezebel. And there's a comparison here that we need to see. Before there was Herod and Herodias, there was Ahab and Jezebel. And both of those couples had problems with a prophet. Help me out now. Uh, uh, Jezebel and Ahab had a problem with a prophet named Elijah. Now, Herod and Herodias have a problem with a prophet named John the Baptist 
who came in the spirit of Elijah. Both prophets told this couple, both couples, the truth. And the woman in each couple, both of them were evil, but the woman was more evil. And the woman orchestrated attack against both prophets. One succeeded, that's Herodias, the other Jezebel did not. Well, nine times out of ten, when a couple has a problem at this church with me, and they leave Strong Tower Bible Church, nine times out of ten, it's the wife who has the greater issue, and the husband is afraid to stand up to the wife and say, that's a good man, that's a good church, and we're staying. But nine times out of ten, the will of the wife wins out because she has a problem with the pastor. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Just let the juices just settle on that one for a second. Just... It has happened over and over again. I'm so tempted to tell stories, but I cannot. Uh, Number six, a toxic man, excuse me, a toxic woman is a crafty woman. So when you hear crafty, I hope you think back to Genesis with the serpent. The serpent was more crafty than any animal the Lord God had created. So, so Mark 6, 21 through 25. Then an opportune day came. Crafty. Opportune. Now, when Jesus was in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, being tested and tempted of the devil, and he resisted the devil, and the devil fled from him, the Bible says in Luke 4, 13, that the devil left him and waited for an opportune time. In other words, I didn't win here, but I'm going to come back again at another opportunity, okay? And so that's why the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks around seeking whom he may devour. So so the enemy is looking for opportunities to take you down. Toxic women are planning for opportunity and opportune times. So then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Why do you think she asked her mother what to do? Why, rather, who do you think came up with the idea for Herodias' daughter to dance for Herod on his birthday? Let me ask the questions again. Why do you think she came out and asked her mother what to do? Because her mother, back to the controlling point, was controlling and manipulating this moment right here. And she said, Mama, what should I do? Mama tells her what to do. So who do you think came up with the idea for Herodias' daughter, Salome, to dance sexually suggestive for Herod on his birthday? I believe it was the same person who came up with the idea of cutting off John's head. Because the Bible doesn't say specifically that she did it. 
But she is the one behind the scenes trying to control and manipulate because she's crafty. Herodias knew what would entice her husband because she got him through sex. And she knew she could get him through her daughter. Mm -hmm. Because she came from a broken, busted, and disgusted family with her husband. And so she knew how to get him. She crafted a fail-proof plan. You're protecting John from me. But here's how I'm going to get him on an opportune day. After you get all liquored up on your birthday. And by the way, this is why Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in celebrating birthdays because of this. Legalists do some of the strangest things. But empty way, she figured I'll get him. Because when this girl comes out here and does this lap dance, when this girl come out here shaking her ass sets, He going to lose his mind and say, girl, what you want up to half my kingdom? She knew it. She knew. Herodias knew it. Little girl said, mama, what, what should I ask for? Get that prophet's head, which goes to the seventh and final point. A toxic woman casts spells. Mark 6, 26 through 28. And the king was exceedingly sorry because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him. He did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in prison. Now watch verse 28. Brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. What did John ever do to Salome to deserve this? What did he ever do to her for her to go and ask for his head? This wasn't Salome's issue. This was her mother's issue that was being lived through the daughter. John preached the truth, and it offended Salome's sinful mother. So mom influenced her daughter to see John the way she saw him, and that is as being worthy of death. Because you don't see the little girl having any remorse any more than her mother. Because in cases like this, what is happening is the daughter is taking on the spirit, the mindset, and the attitude of the influencer called the mother. That's a spirit of witchcraft. You see, Salome adopted her mother's disdain for John. It was like Salome was under an evil spell. Well, in medieval Europe, according to custom, it was a widespread belief that Herodias led a cult of witches. You know, over in the book of 1 Samuel, it says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So, so witchcraft isn't always somebody stirring a pot and doing potions and spells. It begins with rebellion because Satan rebelled in heaven. So at the root of rebellion is demonic activity. But influencing someone to turn from truth to falsehood, to believe falsehood over truth is what Paul called in the book of Galatians being bewitched. Who bewitched you? that you turn from the truth so quickly into error and falsehood? Who bewitched you that you would hate a man that you have no relationship or context with? Who bewitched you, her mama? And isn't it a shame when toxic women turn the children against the father? And they're looking at the father through the hatred of the mother's eyes. 
and they listen to mom cut down the father over and over and over again. And the kids pick it up and disrespect the father. A, a spell has been cast. And many times people don't even know they're under the influence of a spell. Well, from Herodias, we see that a toxic woman is a carnal woman. She's a controlling woman. She's a cancerous woman. She can be a cruel woman, a combative woman, a crafty woman, and a woman who casts spells. So God loves us enough to say, let me use the word um, to minister to you today. To take inventory of where you are, because we may have a few toxic um, things that we do, but that doesn't mean we're toxic to the core. But people who are toxic to the core start off with just being doing a couple of toxic things and let it keep going until a stronghold develops. So God is allowing us to hear some things and see some things so that we can say, Lord God, I confess that to you and I want to be free. Because the good news is that toxic spills can be cleaned up. Toxic spills can be cleaned up. But it begins with recognizing there's a need to clean up the spill. And it begins by you saying, there's a spill. Oh, I need some help. Because you can't heal yourself. Jesus came to be our healer. And the minute we think we're not sick, we cannot get well by Dr. Jesus. So to get well by Dr. Jesus, we have to say, Lord, I got some toxicity in me. I hope I said it right. Toxicity. Toxic. I got some toxic junk in me. And I need to call on EHS. EHS, when there's a toxic spill. Environmental health and safety. They are equipped to come and clean up toxic spills. They've got the right chemicals to uh, defeat the chemicals that have spilled. They've got the gear to put on and the masks and all the stuff to do, environmental health and safety. But you got to call them. There's another EHS. We need to call when we're going through something. And it's not environmental health and safety. It's Elohim, Holy Spirit. Help me out, EHS. And God will come and begin ministering, and it takes time, but it begins with being honest and confessing your faults to God and to one another. Let's pray, Father. Thank you. We all have sinned, and we all have fallen short of your glory. But I'm so glad you love us enough to call us out. You, you love Peter enough to say, you're being influenced by Satan right now. You just said something that came from God, from heaven, in Matthew 16. Then you turn around and say something that comes from hell. And Jesus, you had the love for him to say, get behind me, Satan. For you have in mind the things of men and not the things of God. Lord, some of us have been under the influence of Satan the confusion, the division, the slander, the gossip, the desire to have a throne or to be in control. Lord, would you free us? Because we confess our faults to you. Forgive us, Lord, for going down that road and, and getting in the flesh. But thank you for another day, another opportunity 
to hear your word and to be reminded of your mercy. Lord, now as we uh, depart from this church, but never from your presence, because each one of us is the church. So wherever we go, we take your love, your light, your truth, your grace, your gospel. Fill us with the Holy Spirit to not only minister to us, but that he might minister through us to a dying world. And part of our ministry to the world is letting them know of our imperfections, our brokenness, our struggles, so that they can have hope in the God that we have hope in. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. And it's according to the power that is working within us. To him be glory, majesty, power, and dominion, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Amen. I see. I, amen. Let, let, let's give Jesus a hand break. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's time for the ministry fair. We got the lunch for you. Leaders, I hope the leaders, do you need to be dismissed now? The leaders, you're going down and, and we'll come down and stop by your tables. Even if you cannot stay long, just come down and see the leaders and see the ministry opportunities and bless somebody. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. Oh, there's a closing announcement. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs>